The Web's Michael Smith. It's episode 119 of the Canes cast, and you know what? What's that? At least we didn't get roasted by Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes. It's true, we didn't make it into the monologue. Did we not? No. I was really hoping we would. I thought we would. Yeah. We should have because we're sponsored by Storm Brew. Yes. From our friends at R&D Brewing, Storm Brew is the official beer of the Carolina Hurricanes. It's a crisp, light lager made by our friends at R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs per serving. It's the perfect brew for all occasions, especially Kane's home games, where a 16-ounce can is just $5. Taste the storm at your local taproom and most major retailers with new store locations added daily. And you know what? It's in Costco now. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I went there I the other day, that, yeah. and I saw it. By the way, the fact that you know that right off the top of your head. I've been practicing. And don't take a breath. Like, it's just flowing through you naturally. I practiced all weekend. Like, the storm brew flows here at PNC Arena for $5 for 16-ounce cans. What crispy. a steal. Crispy. Very crispy. And by the way, I thought that Ricky Gervais, unconfirmed, was drinking storm brew <laughs> at the Golden Globes. Uh, sure, why not? Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And thanks to our friends at R&D Brewing for sending us some Storm Brew. Uh, we thought about cracking one open this morning, but it is 1030 on a Monday, and we're at work. I mean, it's really more It's really more the, the fact that we're at work. 1030 on a Monday is whatever. Can we peel it's back five the curtain somewhere. on this one? Sure. You were the one really objecting to this. I was the one like, and your point is? Hi. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get right to it. Let's crack one open they gave us the product we might as well enjoy it. they did we'll uh we'll have one next week maybe we'll also work to confirm that that was storm brew that ricky gervais was drinking coming up on the show though i think it is yeah well just go with it why not he's not listening or oh. maybe he is i hope he is i hope so too hi ricky if hi, you're ricky. listening and uh j-lo of oh, course that's right j-lo big fan and scotty mccreary uh, i'll i'll pay more mind when i find the promoted tweets but i was so excited that j-lo <laughs> was sending us a tweet uh that hi was, oh I would have said, how are you? That's J-Lo. She's Jenny from the block still. All right, coming up on the show, Darren York, who's the director of player personnel for the Carolina Hurricanes. He was in the Czech Republic, and he was watching the World Junior Championships, which the Carolina Hurricanes had five players participating, three for Finland, one for Germany, one for the United States. We will get into details on that. We have some listener questions via Twitter. Thank you for that. Always appreciate it. Thank you. And we've got some things that we will take care of. Oh, by the way, we need to work on another drop. We need it from our, our good friend Jim Malia, who is the producer for Fox Sports Carolinas. Tell me more. His his best line whenever like something comes up, like you'd be like, hey, well, we're going to have a storm brew at 1030 in the morning. His line, in its natural, is, why wouldn't you? Just how he says it every time. That's good. I can't duplicate it. He can only do that. I would love to get that for a drop. Yeah. Maybe we'll add some more drops here soon. I don't know. We're, I like the rotation. <laughs> I like the rotation that we're in, and you know our drops are. Genres. So we've got to make sure it fits. Yeah. Just that's all. Yeah, maybe we'll add some more. Maybe there's a question coming up about our drops, too. Maybe so. All right, we'll get to all that. But we like to recap what's been going on with the Carolina Hurricanes. After all, this is the Canes cast, and we thank you all for listening to it. Uh, the Hurricanes are currently smack dab in the middle of their seven-game homestand, of which... They have two wins, two losses. And I'll be honest with you, the Tampa game from Sunday and the head coach, Rod Brindamore, said it, was probably the most disappointing game uh, of the year with how the Canes played, with what they did, how they responded, or 
lack thereof a response to start the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They built a game in the third period. Andrei Svechnikov scores a big goal on a beautiful pass from Jacob Slavin. But I think that's a game you just park it and don't think about it because that's not the Canes. That's not how they play. Yeah. But you go back, they get a win against Washington to kick off the homestand. They beat Montreal on New Year's Eve. And then one heck of a game against the Washington Capitals where really a bad bounce and a power play was the the sort of difference in the game. And even though the Canes did get two power play goals and, and stormed back in the third, you know, it, it was weird to say the power play was the difference because both teams had two power play goals. Right. But it really was because the Caps go up 2 nothing on the power play. Yeah. We can start with the Tampa game and work backwards from that. I, I'm already done with the Tampa game. Okay. <laughs> You've already moved you can, you on. You continue. Well, yeah. I, just, I, I, I just wanted to sort of uh, add to what you were saying. And, um, yeah, it, w- it was probably the Hurricanes' most disappointing effort uh, to date this season. Uh, it wasn't like um, the Winnipeg game here last season where the Hurricanes just got, you know, absolutely throttled. Yeah. Um, but it was a game in which the Lightning scored two uh, early goals quick. Uh, in the first five minutes, uh, took a two nothing lead. Um, they absolutely dominated the second period. Outshot the Hurricanes seventeen five. Outscored them one zero. Uh, took a three nothing lead into the third period, and were totally content just sitting on it in the third. And you're right, the Hurricanes did begin to, uh, I think, play their game in the third period, and and that's more to how you expect their game to look. But at the same time, Tampa wasn't. Uh, they weren't efforting much. They had a three nothing lead yeah. on in a back to back, the second half of a back to back, and that's maybe makes the game more disappointing for me too. Is knowing that Tampa checked into their hotel at three a.m. on Sunday after playing in Ottawa the night before, and then uh, at five p.m. that day have to drop the puck in a game, and the Hurricanes weren't able to take advantage of a potentially tired club. Now you could also say the same, uh, maybe the inverse is true for Tampa in that. They're just running on pure adrenaline at that point. It's the end of a road trip. They're riding six straight wins. They just come in here and and play the game uh, that they have been playing for the last two weeks or so. And it was only a matter of time before the Lightning figured it out. And they figured it out. They've won seven straight. And what you saw from them last night is uh, containing the Hurricanes push early in the first, grabbing a lead dominating in the second and then just holding on for the victory in the third and uh that was that was the the game this could be a completely different conversation and maybe not specific for today's canes cast but i think tampa bay learned from last year they didn't have an important game the last month and a half of the season right and then they get into the playoffs and they take on a columbus team that was fighting for their lives the washington capitals they knew they were in Mm-hmm. And they knew they were going to be the the number one seed, even though there was a bit of jockeying with the, the New York Islanders last year for the top spot in the Metro. But the Caps knew they were in, and they were the defending Stanley Cup champs. So yeah. they didn't really have that sense of urgency. Ah, when we get to the playoffs, we'll ramp it up. And both those teams got beat. And I think that there is something, don't get me wrong, if I could be what Tampa was last year, give me that all day, I'll sign up for it. Absolutely. Let's exclude the playoffs. I'm talking regular season. But I do think there is something to playing meaningful games down the stretch versus having it on cruise control and then all of a sudden having to ramp it up again. It's it's hard to do. You just yeah. don't flip a switch and say, okay, we're going to be intense now. 
Yeah, and it's and it's maybe a totally different story if they don't lose to Columbus in the first round. You yeah, know, if they if they go on and cruise to the Stanley Cup, it's like, oh yeah, that's or they were supposed to do it, right? Exactly. But uh, what happened last year, I think, I think did change that team for the better for yeah. them at least. You know, obviously to the detriment of everybody else in the Eastern Conference and the NHL, but. I think they did learn a lesson, and it was only a matter of time before they figured it out and started stringing wins together, and now they've won seven in a row, and they're in the top three in the Atlantic division. They're not going to win the President's Trophy. They might not even win the division, but they're going to be a very good team come playoff time. And I'm not trying to take a shot here at the NBA with the, the comment I'm about to make, but a lot of NBA teams figured out we don't need to be the best team in the conference at the end of the year. We need to be ready for the NBA playoffs. Yeah. And... Tampa might have figured out we don't need to be hammered down and set the record for points in the regular season. We need to build up and be ready for the playoffs. And that's what NBA teams do. A lot of people don't like it, and I get it because of you know the regular season games and you get a bunch of guys who are sitting out. The NHL, you don't have that luxury. Everybody has to play. You're not necessarily going to give guy a, what is it, the, the workload management that they have. Yeah. You're not necessarily doing that in the NHL. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you live from the Canes locker room. He is the man who'd know the most about workload management, the exact strength and conditioning coach. But I think Tampa figured that out. I think the Caps kind of know a little bit about that as well. Yeah. And when it was a weird scheduling quirk with the Caps, you know, the Canes played them, what, December 28th? Mm -hmm. And then they play them January 3rd. And then they're going to wrap up the season series with them Mm -hmm. in a week. Mm -hmm. So. Very strange, uh, but uh, playoff-like, you know, if, as if it wasn't already playoff-like enough, this only heightens that yep. uh, rivalry between the two. All right, so we just covered the Tampa game, unless there's anything else you want to get to. No. I'm, I'm fine with parking it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, it was what it was. Uh, there's some things that you can say, well, you know, how can you have things like that? Human, you're going to have efforts like that. And well, in the I, course of an 82-game season. I don't think the back-to-back stuff matters that much anymore. Yeah, I, I, I used to think it did, but yeah. we've asked Rod Brindamore how right. many times, and he's like, I don't think it matters. I just, I, I, I do wonder from a psychological standpoint if it was reversed last night and the Hurricanes get two goals in the first five minutes. Oh, sure. Then, you know, the Lightning are like, all right, well, we're, you know, we'll be home by, you know, 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock tonight, you know, whatever. It's maybe, fine. Maybe. I mean, I, I think that there's there's truth to that. Yeah. It's, but, it's whoever gets to their game first. Yeah. And, and what happened in that is Tampa got to their game. Right. And the Canes could not find it for 40 minutes. Yeah, and that's the story every night. So I guess that's where, you know, he pushes back on the back-to-back is yep. whoever gets their game first establishes their game and then forces the other team to chase it. That's that's any night. It's not, it's not really dependent on if you play the night before or yeah, not. Exactly. But... Uh, let's treat the two Washington games as an entity. We'll put the Montreal game, you know, in, in the middle. We should go back there. But if you would tell me that you're playing the Washington Capitals and you are going to play them in two games in five, six days, and you're going to win one and lose one, I'll take it. Yeah. And and, 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 the and, and they were weren't, and they were two good hockey games, right? And the Hurricanes weren't bad in that second game. I just the Capitals were better, and you, and you kind of expected that after the Hurricanes beat them in that first game. And gave it to them pretty good. You expected the the Capitals were going to come back that next game and have a, a much better effort, and they did. And uh, you know the Hurricanes fell in a hole again, uh, but to their credit, they they rallied in the third period, um, scored three goals, uh, and 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 worked their way back into the game. But it just uh, um, 
it just wasn't enough uh, in the end. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned it earlier, those two power play goals that Washington scored, um, I think, hurt the Hurricanes. Yeah. And the Hurricanes penalty kill had been uh, struggling quite a bit and has been struggling quite a bit lately. Uh, they were perfect against Montreal. And you were thinking, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the penalty kills turned a corner and uh, back on the right track. But, uh, you know, Washington has a, a pretty lethal power play. Now, should mention the penalty kill against Tampa Bay was good, and that's a pretty lethal power play that, that Tampa Bay has. But um, it, those two power play goals that, that Washington scored did uh, did hurt the Hurricanes and, and put them behind the eight ball. Yeah, and one of them, there's nothing you can do about it. It's a shot that goes wide, hits the the glass, takes a funky bounce, and comes right to the other side of the net for a tap-in goal. Yeah. For, you know, what are you going to do? Lars Eller's standing on the door, and dink, he just throws it in. And then the other one's a just a gorgeous pass by John Carlson to find Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yep. Open alongside of the net for the tap-in, and that's, that's just an all-star defenseman making an all-star play. Yeah, and that's the – you go and watch that play – when you play the Washington Capitals, it's pick your poison. We right. all know the one poison they want to give you, which is Alexander Ovechkin and in, the, the, in the office. And that's maybe what freed up Kuznetsov a little oh, bit. I think it absolutely Because you're fading a little more towards Ovechkin. But then the first goal of the game, too, was a bit of a weird one. You know, Richard Panics, you know, bounces up, and it's flipping through, and, and Lucas Walmark's on the goal line. And 99 out of 100 times, that puck's going to sit, and he's going to clear it away from danger. And it hits the edge and hops up and takes a backwards bounce and goes into the net. You know, it was it was a weird goal. Ilya Samsonov was very good, but the Canes were very good in that game. Yeah. Again, it, it shows you there's a lot of questions about, well, how does this happen or how does that happen? You cannot have, if a bounce goes against you, you can't sit there and say, well, we were bad tonight. No, it's a bounce. It, this league now, a bounce, a puck hitting the partition, hitting the ref, that's the difference between winning and losing games now. It used to be just, oh, this team's so much more superior skilled than the other one. Now it's who takes advantage when a funky bounce comes their way. Yeah, especially when you have two teams like the Hurricanes and Capitals, both good yep. teams, both um, play more similarly this year, I think. I think yeah. the Capitals uh, took a few notes from the Hurricanes oh, yeah. after their success last season. So now you have two clubs that are good that are even more alike than they were before, uh, and and what you get really every time these two teams meet is a a, a competitive hockey game, a fast competitive hockey game, um, and the Hurricanes have have taken two games, uh, one in overtime. Uh, the Capitals took the most recent, and then the score will be settled up in Washington on uh, on next Monday. Yeah. So, like I say, three games in what fifteen days. Yeah, it should be a good one too. That uh that game up in Washington because yeah. it's been uh yeah the Hurricanes went there on on their opening night the Capitals opening night second game of the season for the Hurricanes uh erased a deficit and came back and and won a game in overtime um I'll be interested to see I think the Capitals will probably go back to Samsonov um just because uh you know he he won the game here uh, they like to work him in pretty regularly so i would expect to see Ilya samsonov again in net and he was very good he's 11 2 and 1 i think on the season yeah he, and he was really good against the hurricanes made that difference made the difference early because again if the hurricanes get one in the first period and uh, you know avoid being down 2-0 after 40 minutes perhaps it's a different result perhaps but again the canes right now uh, as of the recording of this episode of the canes cast are two and two on this seven game homestand. And 
you want to be three and one. You want you want to be four and zero oh at home, but you played Tampa and Washington twice. Uh, the the win against Montreal on New Year's Eve, uh, for lots of reasons, was a a big win for the Carolina Hurricanes. How they got the win, uh, they they dug in. They played a, a really solid game and found a way to. You know, beat a Montreal team that's fast. That was maybe the fastest, and when I say it's not in relevance of time, but tempo, the pace on the ice, that was the fastest game I've watched this year. Yeah, yeah. Montreal's quick, and and so are the Hurricanes. Obviously, well, it's two teams that kind of want to play the exact same way, and it comes down to again little things. Little things go right, and um, we we. Just for uh, people to recap everything, uh, I know I speak for Michael Smith when I say this uh, with what Eric Halla and, and his family went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our thoughts, prayers are, are definitely with, with Eric and his wife and his family. And, and again, um, he, we just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, he he goes out and he plays and he scores a goal and it's yep. a huge goal. And, um, you know, for people who don't know, you can always Google the story. But again, our... our deepest thoughts uh go out to eric and his family and, and we'll go from there but he has been around the team and then it goes to you know how team can become family mm-hmm. and go from there but uh the canes that was a big win against montreal on new year's eve yeah and and special teams you know we touched on it just briefly but that made the difference in the game because the power play was one for two and the penalty kill was yeah. three for three Good. and that's in a three one game that's, that's your it. difference. That's how you win. That's your difference. You. And, uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, Eric Hall is scoring that big goal, uh, his 11th of the season. That held up as the game winner. And, you know, even though he hasn't been in the lineup all season, you know, dealing with some tendonitis uh, in his knee, when he has been in the lineup, he's been very effective, very effective, because he has a nose for the net. Uh, he can get to the net, locate the puck, uh, and score. He's got that scores yep. touch, um, and I think he can still get to twenty goals this season, even if he only plays, I don't know, fifty games yeah. or or so. Well, if we're going to go by the traditional first, second, third line, the Eric Hall and Marty Natchez and Ryan Zingle line is the third line for the mm-hmm. Carolina Hurricanes. Yep, I-, I would put that up against any other third line in the NHL. Absolutely, it, in skill, most certainly in speed. Yep. Um, and that's and that's what I think they've been able to do. They've just been able to take advantage of some pretty good matchups, yeah. and uh, and you've got you know three guys who can finish, Martin Nichas who can absolutely just fly around the ice, uh, and that's a that's a good line. Look, sports. I don't care where you want to draw this line. We could be doing a podcast for any sport right now. Sports today, when you go best on best, you usually expect them to cancel each other out. That's that's how I go into a game. Best on best going to cancel each other out. It then comes down to the other matchups you have. And the Canes have a serious advantage when that line is going over a majority of the league because you're going to put them out there either against a third defensive pair or a third or fourth line. And that line right now with Hall and HS and Dezingle is more skilled or faster or can create more opportunities than most third lines in the league. So it's an advantage the Canes are going to need to get back to that because – by the time we're done with this week, the Canes are going to be done with this homestand. Mm-hmm. Now, seven-game homestand, five and two is great. I will take it. It becomes even more important because the next game you play is against the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Metro division is just insane this year, Michael Smith. It is insane. It seems the only time they lose is when they play each other. I think Philly has stumbled a little bit of late as recording this this podcast. The, they're five and five in their last ten. 
So are the Hurricanes. Yeah, and here's the amazing thing. The Canes, and I keep going back to it, the Canes on that Western Canadian swing got 9 out of 10 points and didn't really move up in the standings. No, they they actually lost yeah. uh, pace to Washington because Washington was like uh, uh, eight and two or so. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's and, wild. Again, it's just insane how good this division is, top to almost bottom, because New Jersey's not very good. Yeah. Right now. yeah. So and uh, you know, we, we touched on Tampa Bay figuring it out, and you know now they're in third place in the Atlantic, knocking on the door of second place in the Atlantic by points percentage. They are actually in second place in the Atlantic uh, and Florida seven and three in their last 10 and yeah. they're in a wild card spot. Yeah. So uh, the, it's it, the race. Do you think it's going to take a hundred points to be a wild card team? Uh, not this year. I, I I think it's, I, I would, you think water is going to find its level when everybody starts playing in the division. Well, I think last year was 98. I wouldn't be surprised to see it 98 again this year. I just got a weird feeling it's going to take 100 points to be that last wild card. And team. don't look now, but Columbus is 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, and now suddenly they're still hanging around and knocking on the door of a playoff spot. So between uh, Carolina with 50 points in 42 games, Florida 49 points in 42 games, Philadelphia also 49-42, and 42, Columbus 46-42, and 42, uh, those are probably your four teams that are going to be fighting for two playoff spots, two wild card spots yep. down the stretch of the season. Obviously, two Carolina can jump up into the top three in the division. They're three points back of the Islanders uh, as we record this podcast on Monday, January 6th, 2020. Hope your 2020, everybody, is off to a good start. I think ours are pretty good so far. Yeah. We still have a podcast. What's the uh, what's the hashtag that we're using for 2020? Oh, hashtag enjoy it 2020. Enjoy it 2020. And that's what we're doing. I am. We're Could have enjoyed it, it a lot more you had know, you not uh, forgotten to bring the storm brew here. It's uh, it's not cold yet. Well, we got to get it in the fridge. Let, let's. I think that'd be a perfect time to let everybody know who's been listening. Storm brew. It is a crisp light lager, ninety-seven calories, two point four carbs, four point two, as far as your alcohol by volume. So that's a nice it. crushable beverage. It's crispy. $5, 16-ounce cans every single home game here at PNC Arena. And locations to purchase it at. Michael, you already mentioned it's in Costco now. Harris Teeter, Food Lion, Lowe's Foods, Whole Foods, Fresh Market, Walmart, Wegmans, Handy Hugo. It's everywhere. Plus, at the Carolina Alehouse Watch Parties, it's the perfect opportunity to try Storm Brew. If you haven't already, Storm Brew teams on site at every single event. Not yeah. too shabby and the next one uh the next carolina alehouse watch party is coming up on january 16th at the carolina alehouse wake forest location um the hurricanes will be in columbus that night i believe right yep and they have partnered up with good friend of the canes cast jordan martin a key of the marty minute friend of the pod that is absolutely right there's a meet and greet coming up with jordan and there will be more details on that coming up and i'm sure that we will have those details here on the canes cast uh Let's just take a look at the standings quickly for the Carolina Hurricanes as they are 24-16-2, 50 points here as we are now officially past the halfway point of the season, 42 games played for the Carolina Hurricanes. They are ahead of last year's pace as far as points go with what they need to do. But you, as you've mentioned, you look at the Capitals, you look at the Penguins, you look at the Islanders, it would be great to put yourself in that situation of the top three. Canes are only three points out of being in third place so I, I you know 
I'm looking at this. That's the goal. Get in the top three. Get in the top three. Find a way to get there. Yeah, and I think it's totally doable. The Canes have four games with the Pittsburgh Penguins. All in a month. All in a, like, Basically. two weeks almost. Yeah. You've got three games left for the New Jersey Devils. Yes. Which you got to win those. A you've beatable already, team. You've already dropped one to them. Yep. You have to win those games. You've got a couple more games with the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. We're going to be done with the Caps as far as the rest of the season goes in 10 days, in a week, give yeah. or take. You've got to play Columbus. And if that's what you're looking at, you've got to find a way to turn things around in the division. We'll see if the Canes can do that. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. Divisional huh. record. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my hand, but it's still not very good. No. Three wins in but the division right then now. Then again, this division is, I think, the best division in hockey. So It is, by far and away. And I know very people, competitive. people are going to want to say the Central. The Central's excellent. Yeah, it is. But the Metro is the best division in hockey. And the right Pacific, now. Eh, not very good. Nah, not so much. Not uh, this year, at least. We are taking a look ahead to the future uh, by looking at the schedule. By doing that, though, Michael Smith, the World Junior Championships went on. And the Canes had five prospects in which Director of Player Personnel Darren York went over to the Czech Republic to watch and see how they would play. And we caught up with Darren York, and here's our conversation. Making his debut appearance on Canes Cast, it's the Hurricanes Director of Player Personnel Darren York. Darren, uh, welcome back to the United States. Thanks for having me. After uh, a couple weeks spent in the Czech Republic taking in uh, the 2020 IIHF World Junior Championship, um, first of all, how was your time in, uh, in Czech Republic? It was great. Uh, I was telling our, our Czech players how well the, the organization staff and the volunteers put on such a great show. Crowds were, were amazing. I, I think they, uh, they got treated to a, a late Christmas present with, uh, the Czechs coming off the first game of the tournament, beating the Russians, but it, the crowd was electric. It, it was a fun time over there. Darren, overall for the the tournament because you are the director of player personnel for the Carolina Hurricanes. But just watching the tournament, it seemed to be at a really high level this year. Not saying it hasn't been in other years, but it just seemed that the big players really showed up on the stage this year. Yeah, I, I think every you know, every year the, it is a great tournament. You have the the best players under twenty um, there, and a lot of times, sometimes the the NHL players don't get to to play in this tournament. But you had you know the likes of Barrett Hayden being able to to be loaned there, uh, more exciter being able to be loaned there and it elevates the the quality of competition for, for everyone. When you look at how this tournament is played, do you give maybe a little bit more of an eye to Kane's prospects because of, of that stage? And these are the elite prospects. This isn't just a guy playing in, in juniors or playing in, you know, uh, his, his league back in his home country. This is the elite prospects playing against each other. Yes and no. Like obviously the it is a very high level tournament. Um at the same time it's you know, the you got five games. So whether or not a player uh plays great for, for five games or doesn't play as well for five games, you gotta remember that it's it's a small sample in the in the greater picture. Having said that, you obviously want the players to, to have success and you want to sort of be able to evaluate them at this next level. Um I don't think you're ever going to see a player skip a grade in terms of their progression and their projection. So you want to be able to to go to these tournaments, watch your players sort of handle that next level of play. So if it's a player that is worried about their, their speed or quickness, are they able to keep up to that pace? Um, is there 
their true assets showing up in the, in those situations in terms of the hockey sense, the skills, the the strength, because these games are, for the most part, unless they're playing in the NHL, they're better than their everyday um, situation. So the Hurricanes had uh, five players represented uh, in the tournament, and I guess we'll start with uh, maybe the the best player of the Hurricanes in the tournament, uh, Dominic Bach, who played uh, for Germany. Yeah, Dominic played played well. Uh, he he led his team in in goals and points, um, and I think for him the, it was great to to have some success. Uh, the year for for him individually probably hasn't gone as as well as he would have liked as. So now he gets an opportunity to play more, um, get a greater role playing on the top power play and playing um, in the top six role, and that's what we want to see when he's there. And, and his assets were were there for for everyone to see in terms of the high end skill, um, vision, great shot. Like he can really make plays that few players can can see. So for for him to sort of take that step and really what we would like for him is to to build off this when he gets back to to Rogel and being able to showcase what we all see. And talk about to uh, what made him an important part of that uh, trade with St. Louis, uh, bringing Joel Edmondson uh, over in exchange for Justin Falk, but also Dominic Bach uh, adding to the prospect pool. What did you guys see in him that you liked uh, that made him uh, an important part of that trade? Yeah, going back to to his draft year, and this was highlighted at the World Junior Tournament. Um, this year as well is is the skill. I, I think you talk about players that have the ability to to make an impact every time they touch the puck, and, and, and Dominic has that. It's he he's able to play with pace. He's able to create for himself. He's able to create for others. Whether it's off the rush, whether it's in the cycle, whether it's on the power play half wall, um, he can be a shooter. He can be a passer. It's really got a wide ranging of offensive instincts. Now, with a lot of young players, he, he's got some things to, to learn. He's got to get stronger, but that's no different than any player who's who's 20 years old. Darren York is joining us here on Canescast. And, Darren, Finland has been very good to the Carolina Hurricanes of recent times as far as producing players that have helped out the organization. And there were three players who are Kane's property. And Patrick Puisla, uh, he had another great tournament. He seems to be a guy who could be closer to knocking on the NHL door than maybe any of the other prospects you have. Yeah, Patrick, it, similar to, to Dominic, his his season with his um, legal team probably didn't go as well as he would have expected, no fault of his own. He just didn't get the ice time. And what you saw going back even in the November tournament for the, for the prep leading up to the World Juniors was him being put into... Um, a priority role playing in the top six and getting power play time. And from that moment on, you saw the the wheels start turning in terms of how well he was playing, and that led into the World Juniors. He's got such a, a great ability in front of the net to to give himself space. We, we talk about hockey sense a lot when we're evaluating players and the ability to get the defender on his backside and get his stick free and then push off at the right time to to get open. And he's so dangerous in front of the net. They played him with um, Christian Tanis, who him and Christian have such unique chemistry that they, they were able to find one another, and it, it really helped drive their offense. The other uh, players that we can look at as well, you had Anthony Honka playing for Finland and Lenny Killinen as well. And like you say, is it really just about an opportunity for you to see these guys in a different light in this tournament, or are you watching – everything that they're doing in this tournament like you say because some guys will look at what 
you know, like you said, with Patrick's situation, always oh, not putting up points. Well, he's not getting minutes, and he's playing in a league where, you know, he's a teenager, and it's it's filled with men. So how much do you and can you evaluate they've been given these different roles or they've been given these different situations from what you've been watching? Well, I think you're looking at everything, really, in terms of the role that they were in when they were drafted, the role that they're in the following year, and the role they're in sort of in this tournament. You're trying to take all that information and build the bigger picture in terms of where you project this player. Um, you Guys get put into the NHL. Sometimes they don't necessarily start in a top-line role, even though they are that type of projectable player. So how are they going to deal with that situation? If, if for example... Um, Pusla, again, was put down in the fourth line. How would he deal with that? How, how do players sort of respond to the role that they're given? Are they able to still have an impact and be able to adjust their game is, is more information for us in terms of where they're at with their development. Well, five goals, though, for Patrick. That's not bad to see. And, and you want to see these guys produce at the end of the day, too. Yeah, it, obviously impact on the game is is incredibly important. Um, so with him, with him, and this is what he does extremely well, is score. Yeah. And that's and that's what he's done going back to his draft year, and he just he just needed opportunity to showcase that. What did you think of uh, of Jack Drury, um, his performance in the tournament for for Team USA? Obviously, we've seen him here a couple of times at Prospects Development Camp uh, in a leadership role there at Harvard. Uh, what were your impressions of him in, in Czech Republic? Yeah, I think Jack's games grew from from last year to this year in the in the tournament, and some of that had to do with with opportunity. Um, the the USA team trusted Jack in in every. Um, face-off situation, and that's what he does well. Jack is an extremely smart player. Um, he does a lot of the little things well that we talk about when players graduate to the next level, you got to teach. Uh, with Jack, there's not too many details that he doesn't understand already. Um, an extremely smart player away from the puck, um, a guy that you can continue to trust, and I think with him, the, the where his game is headed, we're extremely happy because of how much he has progressed. Darren, do you have a little bit more access to the players in this tournament, or is it you're just there watching, you can't interact with the players? No. Um, with these tournaments, it's it's best that you just let them be there with their, their teammates um, in their countries. So they're outside of maybe a few texts before the tournament to wish them good luck. We're not we're not spending any time with them after games. They, they got their coaches and can deal and we sort of talk to them and, and go over their game after the, after the fact congratulations by the way to your country, country canada yeah, yeah. taking home the yeah. gold medal congratulations on that yeah against the russians have yeah. you uh talked to andrei svechnikov yet and actually this year i haven't um <laughs> last year when it was in was in canada we were talking a little bit before um before the tournament but no i have not uh gone down and sort of talked to him to rub it in but i may need to do that soon yeah soon maybe today that would be good. Yeah, lighten the mood a little I, bit. I didn't realize that they played the tournament after the United States was beaten by Finland. I thought they just stopped it right there. Yeah, I thought that was the end yeah, of the tournament. So the end of the tournament. <laughs> that would only happen if Canada lost. <laughs> oh, no, it would be Canada would be shut down, and we would be looking for you right now, somewhere. So, so now that you're back stateside, uh, you have some scouting meetings this week. What um, what's the process there uh, now that it's uh, the new year, 2020, about halfway through the hurricane season? Uh, where are you guys at uh, in terms of uh, uh, your scouting process and and what's the the process like here in these meetings uh it's a mid-year meeting so we bring all of our amateur scouts in town um it's a great opportunity for them to sort of take in some of the the hurricane games see the some of the players that they've helped bring here um from the the draft standpoint we go through our mid-season list and we're trying to set priorities for the second half 
Um, we have to determine sort of a broad range of where our list is at, um, what information we still need to gather and basically lead everything up. So when we get to our final meetings in June, that any questions that we have asked ourselves and asked about these players today that we have the answers to them come June. I know that you're looking to the future and looking to the draft, but how much do you also use this time to evaluate what's in the system and, and what you do have and, and take stock of what the Hurricanes have? Yeah, it on the, those meetings um, are more geared towards the, the pro side of things. Um, but it, to that point, yes, you, you go through uh, players that may be ready to, to graduate from, from college and get to the AHL, which players are coming over potentially from Europe. Um, so we sort of go through that on, on the pro side of meetings, not so much on the, on the amateur side of things. Darren York, Director of Player Personnel. Thanks for stopping by, making your debut on the and, podcast. And on a serious note, congratulations. I know how much it, yeah. it means to you when Canada wins gold medals in any tournament, so congratulations <laughs> I on guess that, a semi-serious note, at least. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, no, I'll be serious. Okay, fine, Don't serious worry. note. USA is just knocking on the door of being a hockey power. He knows this. Yeah. He's watching the Canada games. is Mr. Gold Medal. <laughs> exactly. Darren York <laughs> joining us here. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Darren York for making his... First ever appearance on the podcast. It took us 119 episodes to get him on. I can't believe it took that long. I know. Well, it took 115 or whatever it was to get a sponsor. So, Oh, that's true. You know, these good things come to those who wait. True. Like I, sponsorships and Darren York. I, I just, I can't believe it took that long to get Darren York on. I thought we've yeah. had him on before. Yeah, we'll have him back sometime for a, a longer discussion because I think his, his path has been pretty interesting. Uh, he started here... Uh, just about 10 years ago, I think it was, uh, and has sort of worked his way through the front office uh, to where now he's the director of player personnel, basically heads up uh, the scouting for the Hurricanes. Um, and as as we discussed in that uh, interview, uh, amateur midseason amateur scouting meetings taking place this week, uh, the Hurricanes, uh, and this is, you know, this we're also focused on on the team on the ice and rightfully so that's the that's the main attraction at this point but there's so many things happening too behind the scenes uh for an amateur scouting department scouting for the 2020 NHL draft started 3 years ago when these uh you know the draft eligible players first uh really came onto the scene so this is a uh, uh, Every year is the culmination of, of multiple, multiple years of work uh, for this staff. And, and, and obviously right now they have no idea, um, you know, where the Hurricanes are going to pick. They could pick uh, 31st, hopefully, uh, but they also might pick 20th or yeah, you know, somewhere in that range. Um, but uh, right now it's, it's a matter of just building the list of uh, uh, players they like. Uh, figuring out, as Darren said, what they're looking for in the second half of the season. And then uh, you get much more deeper into the weeds, yep. much more deeper, much deeper into the weeds. Um, or you just get deeper into the weeds. Correct. Come uh, come June, uh, when when you know your draft position, uh, you have a better idea of, of where everything falls. But, um, you know, again, this is so much goes on behind the scenes uh, with, with amateur scouting, with professional scouting, and Darren York is kind of the, the – uh, uh, the guy behind the scenes of it all. Well, the one thing, I don't know if you, you picked up on it when he says we're making the list. The list is, this is the order that these players should be ranked. Right. That's what it is. And it's not necessarily where these players will be drafted. Correct. But this is the list of where these players should be ranked based on their skill, based on analytics, based on 
scouts talking to coaches and teammates and doing the background checks, you know, the, the off ice part of it. Yeah. That's the list of where these guys should be. And then they kind of fall into, it's like, well, it turns into that becomes a draft order of sorts. Right. And it's amazing too, how different these lists would be from team to team. Uh, and especially once you get deeper on into oh, the draft yeah. and, um, you know, the hurricanes might have someone ranked in the late first round or second round that they grab in the fourth round. And it's yep. just because, uh, the, the, the things they're looking for, the, the, the skill sets they value perhaps are different, or maybe they even had a better look, um, at this player or some better information than another team. So, uh, it, it's a fascinating process and we'll have, uh, we'll have Darren on sometime this summer to talk oh, definitely more in detail, well, especially, I think either. It would be great before or after the draft yeah. to, to get it in there. So we will talk with Mr. York at some point in time uh, when we get closer to the draft. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, as you mentioned, just past the midway point of the 2019-2020 season, uh, the Hurricanes ahead of the pace they were at last year. Last year, around this time, uh, that you know furious second-half run was just beginning. The Hurricanes had to be a desperate team. They had to go on the exact run that they went on uh, in order to qualify for the playoffs this year don't have to be as desperate because I think they've put themselves in a, a much better spot. True. But they do have to continue playing the way they have been. They have to continue being the consistent team that they've been. Uh, another friend of the program, Shane Willis talked about this the other day on hurricanes live, your official pregame show of the Carolina hurricanes on Fox sports, Carolina's hosted by Shane Willis and yours truly. That's a good is, plug. Thank you. <laughs> You can't win four, lose three, at yeah. least not in this division. And I used a, a movie reference. Have you ever seen Real Genius with Val Kilmer? It's a, it's a really good movie. Yeah, I don't think I have. Well, there's a scene where he's like, we're looking at this all wrong. We need to take two steps back. No, let's take two steps forward. No, let's take two steps back. And Doing two the steps forward. And he goes, and now we're cha-cha. And yeah. you cannot do that. You, you have to win five, lose one. Maybe two, win three or four, lose one, win three or four. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that is the the perfect scenario because if you start doing that five hundred thing, somebody in this league is going to get points because of the way the magic point falls out of the sky. And we got to have a winner. Got to have a winner. Yeah, it's uh, very important. Well, it is for you, but, but because of that, yeah. If you go five and five, like the Hurricanes have in their last ten, you're opening up the door for somebody to go eight and two and pick up six points on you. Like uh, Columbus, who is 7-1-2 in their last 10. Look at that. And it's all symmetry, how it all comes back together, isn't it? And now they're uh, just three points out of a playoff spot, which is kind of remarkable given uh, the team that they have. Um, but yeah, I think it's... This season has... Uh, I, I do feel like the wins and losses have come in bunches yes. a bit. But when you look back at... 10-game segments for the Hurricanes. They've won six games out of every 10-game segment. So they were 6-4, and four, or excuse me, 6-3-1 to begin the season, first 10 games. 6-4 in the next 10, 6-4 in the next 10, 6-3-1 in the next 10. If they win six games out of every 10-game segment in an 82-game season, that's 96 points. Almost enough for a playoff spot. Should be enough for a playoff spot. Probably won't be enough for a playoff spot this year. You throw in a handful of overtime losses, and then you have the two games that don't fit into a 10-game segment. You could conceivably end up with over 100 points. So if the Hurricanes continue on the, the track that they're on, winning six out of every 10 games, they'll be a playoff team. 
and that's just the way the season's gone. But the Hurricanes have set them up, set themselves up nicely, I think, uh, to where they don't have to win eight out of ten games or nine out of ten games like they had to do last year just in order to climb back up the standings. They just have to be uh, exactly what they have been through 41 games, 42 games. The, the next 10-game segment has not started off very strong, but still plenty of time to rectify that. Yeah, and I, I keep going back to what you've just laid out. You go down that road, you're going to be a playoff team. The math checks out. But I think it's perfect to set up this situation for us right now. Cue Mr. Farrell. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You okay? Yeah, it was strange. It, the levels were uh, bouncing around. It's okay. It's a Monday. We're fine. <laughs> we need some storm brew. It's the pleats. Where's the storm brew? It's the pleats. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you that. The Canes will be a top three team in the Metro Division at the end of the year. I'll take it. I'll take it. I think it's totally reasonable. Uh, the Islanders have slipped in their last 10. Um the Hurricanes haven't really gained much ground on them in their last 10. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, Washington's going to win the division. I think that's, at this point, uh, seems to be a, a foregone conclusion. Where the Hurricanes have some opportunity for movement is in that 2-3 spot where you have a Pittsburgh team who seemingly just fights through whatever injuries they're faced with. You have an Islanders team who plays... Uh, a very structured, very rigid game under Barry Trotz. Kind of wondered if it would fall off in the second year. Hasn't. Simeon Varlamov has been very good in net. Um, so has uh, Thomas Grace. Yeah. Um, but I think there's an opportunity there for the Hurricanes to jump into one of those uh, in to either the two or the three spot. Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. So I put it out there. Yeah. And we were talking about the schedule and the stats and what you were referring to. The math checks out. Yeah, the math checks out. And generally, when it comes to math, for us, it we, never checks out. We know math. Oh, no? No. Okay. Not me. You might. I thought that. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't know math at all. Uh, I don't have one, so I'm frantically. Oh, golly. Yeah. All right. You want me to stare one for you? I because came, we do have it. I came through last week with a big one. and You did. That was enough for the next five episodes, I think. And good to know that 2020, enjoy it because it went away quickly. The web's Michael Smith coming up with a like it, keep it. Hashtag enjoy it 2020. Oh, we did. All right. You want it because Matthew Herman threw one for you. Yeah. This will be yours. I found it. Yeah. The Hurricanes will make a trade or acquisition before the deadline. Yes. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it too. Yeah. Every team does who feels they're in a playoff position. Canes did it last year. They picked up Nino Niederreiter. Around this time of year, too. It was yeah. mid to late January, I think. Uh, a bonus, they will move a defenseman. They have extra. They do. It's a luxury right now, but... All right, bonus. I'm, I'm going to send that one back for right okay. now. For right now, for today. Okay. Might change. Might change next week in my mind. But right now, I'm... I'm going to send it back. What about you? I think I'm going to take it just to make things interesting. All right. Fair enough. I think if the Hurricanes do make a trade, uh, cap space is kind of limited. Um, so you could trade money for money. And and if you look at the Victor Ask Nino Niederreiter deal last season, it was, it was close to being money for money. There was about a million, million and a half difference there. Um, 
Yeah, I could see a defenseman getting moved. All right. Uh, Free XJ put this one out there for you. Like it, keep it. At Mike Maniscalco, at uh, M. Smith Keynes. I'll keep that. Oh, just. Yeah. Just us. us. Oh, yes. Although I think it's part of a thread because he put a gif on there. But if it's just like it, keep it for us. Yes, I'm keeping that. Yes, I'm keeping us too. Uh, The rest of it is, I want to see Justin Williams parachute down from the rafters tomorrow night dressed and ready to go. Oh, I think that sounds dangerous. Yeah, I'm going to send that back. Wouldn't recommend it. If Justin Williams comes back, no parachuting, no repelling from the ceiling. Just come back and play. Yeah, just, uh, just do a hockey thing. Yeah, I just come out of the tunnel. Are we uh, are we getting right into listener questions now? I think that's the best way to get okay. into it. Okay, let's Shall do we? it. Yeah. All right, we have a bunch. If you are set, I am set. Well, before we get to it, oh, uh, shout out to Lauren Smith, uh, who listens to Kane's Cast, reads Hurricanes.com. Uh, finally got to meet her in person last night. Um, helped her out with a, a school project a couple years ago. Did a little interview. Um and it was uh, it was lovely to meet her. All right, good yeah. for you, Mister Smith, uh, and for happy for to, Lauren Smith. Happy to yet yeah, not related. The Smiths coming together uh, at Smith, PNC Arena. The Smiths stick it was together. A Smith party, not related though, um, that I know of. Well, she's taller than you. <laughs> well, that's low bar to clear. Uh, but yeah, I, always uh, happy to to help and encourage uh, folks who are looking to get into. This industry, whether it's uh, sports or reporting or broadcasting, two professionals right here. And by professionals, I don't mean professionals. So, <laughs> what are you talking about? The first thing I tell anybody when they want to get into this business is why. <laughs> well, we're here to help, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Guidance in many ways. One, it's trying to tell people how the business is. Two, self-preservation, <laughs> Mr. Smith. That's true. Hi. That's what I say. Yeah. All right. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening, Lauren, and uh, it was great to meet you last there night. There we go. Pajama Caniac, Jason Mariani. Do you think Justin Williams is going to come back, and if so, when? Let's get this one out of the way. They don't tell us anything. I think we had a few of these. Yeah. They don't tell us anything. And uh, we can't do math, and we also don't know anything. So, I mean, do we think he's going to come back? If we shake the magic eight ball, the signs point to yes. But, you know, this could change... Right now, as we're recording the podcast, yeah, somebody's running the stairs. He's doing two at a time, too. What a maniac! Who is that? I don't know. I don't either. Uh, is it Justin Williams? No, it's not Justin. <laughs> okay, Williams. start a ruckus. Uh, yeah, okay. So we've gotten uh, quite a few of these questions about um, Justin Williams and. Uh, the door was always left open. The door was always cracked, you know, when it, when he said he was stepping away or taking yeah. a break at never, the beginning of the season. He never officially retired. Um, if he comes back to the Hurricanes, I would think it would happen sooner rather than later. Um, he obviously has to be signed by the trade deadline if he's going to compete in the postseason. Um, but just from a standpoint of, oh, no. <laughs> Okay, I'm tethered. I forgot about that. Those are my car keys. Just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, him working back up to to game shape and being able to join uh, the lineup, I would think it would have to happen uh, at some point in the near future. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's all we know. That's it. I mean, honestly, that's all we can tell. I know that is the number one question in 
Canes fans world. That's all we know. You know, I wish I could say, oh, he just texted me and he said he's coming back. I, I have to. But he didn't. I have to go back to something earlier. For whatever reason, the Canes front office does not consult the Webbs, Michael Smith, and me when it comes to player personnel acquisitions. Yeah, just Darren York. Just Darren York. And only Darren York. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> player. All right. I'm, I'm just kidding. That's fine. He's one of many. Oh, and we are not one of many. Here we go. Uh, well, okay. So this now excludes all of the Justin Williams questions that we've had. Yeah. So I, we got a few. So thanks uh, everybody for sending them in. Yeah. I mean, this was Katie gave us. So with all those Williams rumors going around, what do y'all think? Will he sign before the cut? I don't know what the cut is. I'm going to go trade deadline. Okay. That works for me. Will he wait till next year? Will he not sign at all and retire? Could be a take it or leave it. Well, I think Williams I, doesn't sign with the Canes until next year. I think if he doesn't sign this year, it's it's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, he's done. He's not playing next right. year. But that's that's a lot, Katie. I hope we answered it as best we can. Uh, let's see here. As this season progresses, who are we looking to save from Seattle? I don't. I don't think there's. Oh. I don't think there's anybody as far as you're looking at. We need to find a way to keep from. The Seattle expansion franchise yeah, right now. I think uh, Marty Nachos isn't eligible. Yeah, he'll be exempt. Um, I think Andrei Svechnikov is exempt because he'd still be on his entry level deal. Probably. Yeah, I I don't think uh, I don't think there's any reason to panic about the expansion draft. Off the top of my head, at least. Oh, this is a good one uh, from Zach Bradshaw with Dominic Box impressive showing at the World Juniors. What do you think a timeline would be for seeing him in North Carolina, either with the Checkers or the Kings? That's a great question. We should have asked Darren York. <laughs> well, I, I kind of asked it, does this accelerate it with, with certain players? You mm -hmm. know, certainly with uh, Patrick. I, I say Puistola. I believe I'm wrong. Patrick Darren, P. Darren had the much better pronunciation. Patty P. I, I think it's just like uh, Puistola. It's yeah. very quick. Puistola. Yeah. All right. Works for me. Uh, I don't know. I, I can only think that the Canes would love to get him playing the North American game as quick as they could. Uh, and probably a year in Charlotte wouldn't be a bad thing. So I can't set a timetable, but I think next year, if he impresses in camp, they might find a way to convince him to play in Charlotte as opposed to maybe you know, going back overseas and playing in Germany. Just a thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, that. Here's one from – oh, no, that's a Justin Williams. That's a Justin Williams one. Uh, lots of Justin Williams questions. Here's one from uh, Jeff Swanson. How is Nino Niederreiter the first player out of PNC, PNC Arena after every home game? Is he Superman? No. I don't think he's Superman, but he is quick. He is. After practices, too, he's, uh, oh, yeah. he's out the door. Yeah. Well, he's best dressed, so he's got mm -hmm. his clothes laid out. So it's not like he's trying to figure out what he's got to put on. Yeah, and he's just uh, he's just quick. He's he gets into the locker room, gets his stuff off, showers, changes, and boom, he's out. No lollygagging for him. This is uh, from Thomas Farrell. Thoughts on Ajo's low assist numbers? Yes, the high goal totals. Yeah, that's that's fair. Let me know if I was incorrect with the, that. The other guy on his line has all the assists, and he's the guy scoring the goals. Yes. Yeah. The so, other guy being Tavo Teravainen. Yeah, I mean, because that that to me is something where I have no idea why somebody who's got 23 goals on the season. Uh, and, and, by the way, he has 14 assists, so it's not like he 
only has two or three assists so far this year. He's got 41 points, or excuse me, 37 points. Is that math? It's hard. Oh, math. Here's one from Snoopy Dog. Our goalie situation. It seems pretty 50-50 split that some think we're in trouble with the starter and backup goalies we have, and then the other half think it's totally fine. What do you think the team is thinking? I think uh, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, I think the team likes where they're at with the goaltending situation right now. I think James Reimer's been good. I think Peter Mrazek has been good. Uh, I think the team has confidence in, in either one of them uh, that they start. Uh, Peter Mrazek has gotten the starts here lately. I would imagine we see James Reimer uh, in the next three games. I, obviously, I think uh, in the weekend coming up with the back-to-back, uh, against Arizona and Los Angeles Friday and Saturday. Uh, we'll probably see him at some point uh, here in the next week, James right. Reimer. This uh, from T-Biscuit. Oh, T-Biscuit. Trevor Chance B. Hey, Mike. Hey. So this is to all of us. Hi. I've been wondering why there are so many highs and lows within a season. For example, a team does really well, then loses several in a row to teams that they should beat. I get that the NHL is competitive, and many teams experience this. The parody in this league. Yeah. I've never seen a league where the difference between a playoff team and a non-playoff team is so slight the way it is in this league right now. Every team has great players or every team has a really good goaltender or a player who on a given night can make a huge impact on a game. And if you're not at your A level, it it used to be, and I, I keep going back to this, it used to be certain teams, if we just throw our uniforms out there, we're going to get two points. And now that doesn't do it. Yeah, you can't take any nights off. So when you ask about the the inconsistency, it's not inconsistency. It's the other team gets paid to play too. And there's a lot of players now in this league who are really good. Even on the teams. Even that on aren't bad really teams, good. yeah. You know, New Jersey, who is at the bottom of this division, has good players. Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes. You know, they're not they're not great tearing up the league, but these are guys who have talent. Jack Hughes. I know. Um, it's not like you're running into just what's going on here. And, and the bearded Kaniac, what yes. do you think the issues are with the inconsistent play? The Washington Capitals and Tampa Bay Lightning are two really good teams. Well, and I would just say that. It, right? I mean, if, if people are going to look at this, the Canes had won the first two games at home. Now they've lost the last two. Right. If you split with Washington Capitals, who are the best team in the division in the league, that, that's good. Yeah, I'll take that. The I would just the wins and losses have come in bunches. That that much is true. Um, but yeah, as outlined, I don't think the team has been inconsistent. I think it's been pretty consistent. Yeah. Six wins in every ten game stretch. That's consistent. Whenever you play a schedule of more than sixteen games, you're going to to run into. Either you don't have your best game or you run into a team that everything clicks for them for that night. Somebody goes off and has a huge night. The biggest X factor in all of sports, people love to talk about the quarterback. You know, the quarterback is uh, the biggest the biggest difference between wins and losses in any sport. No, goaltenders are. Yeah, that's fair. Goalies are. Yeah. They're on the ice for the entirety of the game. Yeah, that's true. So if you've got... Henrik Lundqvist, who has made, I think, 9,000 saves against the Carolina Hurricanes in three games this year, could be off on those numbers. Uh, close enough. But if you have that, that's the difference between winning and losing. A starting yeah. pitcher is like the closest thing to that in my mind. Yeah. Here's one from Z. 
Just Z. Oh, all right. Uh, or Zed, if he's Canadian. Yeah, or Zed. Mr. Z. Um, this came in last week. Uh, here's a question for you. Last season, we got the new alternate sweater. This season, we got the new away sweater. Does next season bring a new home sweater? Uh, no. Sorry. No, no. Sneaky, I got you there. Sneaky good response by you. Uh, no new home sweater. I and the hurricanes. I think uh, have to. You have to keep um, a jersey for I believe three years after you unveil a new one. I think those are the rules. Uh, but no, no new home sweater. Uh, this from Lindsay. Does Brock McGinn know that you guys use his? Thank you. Soundbite every time he is interviewed. Now it reminds me of Kane's cast. Thank you. Yes, he is aware of it. Yeah. We got another question about drops too. That's a that's a fun one. All right, you want to get to it? Um, yeah, I was I was scrolling through the hashtag Kingscast to make sure we didn't miss a question. No, no I have it right here. It's okay, from, from Mike B. Mikey B. He just missed out of being in the Beastie Boys. To Mike D. <laughs> Can you explain the history of each of the sound drops? Shall we? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Well. Uh, well, there's the theme song. Oh, that's that's not a drop. So if you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. We wanted to come up with something that we could do every single week where Michael Smith and I would have like a question about the future or the week that was or a player. And as it turns out, we both love the movie Anchorman. It yes. was natural. Michael Smith, actually, I think you said it in one of the early episodes yeah. of Kane's cast. I want to say it was one of the first 10. I don't know. Uh, you can go back and, and try to find the, the origin of it, but it was, it was early, it was early on. on. Yeah. And then, you know, I figured Michael Smith would have one of these every single episode. And I think four episodes <laughs> into it, he just took a knee. I ran out. Exactly. Oh, wait, uh, I'm supposed to do that every episode. Yeah. Uh, but that's Will Ferrell from Anchorman. That's where that comes from. Um, uh, that's Phil DiGiuseppe. Uh, that was a practice day at Raleigh Center Ice. Uh, we were chatting with Rod Brindamore. Um, and, and the way Raleigh Center Ice is constructed is there is, the Hurricanes locker room um, is set back a bit. But before you get into it, there's a small little vestibule, a lobby, uh, if you will. Uh, and that's where the media gather before they go into the locker room. And it's also where Rod Brindamore... Uh, or any head coaches interviewed uh, after practice. And so we were talking to uh, Rod Brindamore, and uh, the door to the locker room was open, and I don't know what was happening in there, but uh, all of a sudden we heard. Um, and it created a bit of... It was amazing. A bit of hilarity. Everybody, everybody laughed. We're laughing. Rod Brindamore laughed. Um, and, of course, we had to pull it for the podcast uh, because it's tremendous. It is. And it lives on after Phil Giuseppe's career did with the Hurricanes. It, exactly. So that's it. Moving on. Thank you. Brock McGinn, yep. we just picked up on how well he says the word, and we started saying thank you like that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's uh, it's then, just the way to say it now. Thank you. That's it. And that was uh, that was from his interview on Kane's cast, uh, I think maybe the first time he was on. And we've just uh, used it ever since. But he, he says it like that quite often. It's very consistent. Thank you. That's Justin Williams. Uh, he was our first ever guest on Kane's cast. And uh, we complimented him on the oh, yeah. fact that he was our best guest ever. He was also our first guest. Yes. But and he ended it with saying. Thank you. Exactly. That's that. And that ends every uh, podcast now. And it will. 
if you hopefully you listen to the end because that yeah. uh, soundbite graces the end of every yeah. podcast. In perpetuity, it will end every Canes cast. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you live from the Canes locker room. I was not here when this got recorded. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's many different stories about how this from strength and conditioning coach well his, Bill Berniston got into our drops. Yeah, his version uh, differs a bit from the real version. The real version. <laughs> He claims that he uh, was unknowingly recorded um, just messing around in his office. So we have to bring the equipment down uh, into the locker room, and we we end up uh, using his office to record some player interviews, to record the Marty Minute. Uh, And so thanks again, Bill Berniston, for for letting us co-opt your office for uh, until they build us a podcast studio in the locker room, which... uh, I thought that's what his office was, our podcast studio in the locker room. It is, yeah. It's so. our it's a location too uh, for us. Uh, usually up here in in your office, up on uh, floor five. Uh, but yeah, he was just messing around and uh, dropped that in, and it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I it's love a staple it. Staple now. Yeah. Hi. You uh, discovered this. Yeah, that's thanks to <laughs> thanks to the Jay and Dan podcast. Uh, a good podcast if you want to supplement your Canes Cast listening with another uh, solid hockey and sports podcast. Um, there's a Stranger Danger video. I'll link it in the uh, show notes for today so you can all watch it. Um, but it's uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, Be it, prepared it, to laugh. It comes from a PSA <laughs> about Stranger Danger. Yeah. And, and we'll just leave it at that. When this gentleman rolls up. You'll know. You'll know. Because. Hi. That greets you. It's hard to, uh, hard to forget. And then. Jones. This is Alex Trebek. Yes. And Michael Smith. Discovered that there is a brilliant, what is it, five minutes? No, no, no. It's just feels a, like it's, it. a, it's a minute. It's a minute super cut. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Felt longer. And it's it's just that over. It's every time he says uh, genre over and over. And, and he's, he's, he's saying genre. Yes. That's how I've known to say the genre, word. Genre, yes. But he says genre. Yes, because he is French Canadian. Yes. And, uh, and a wonderful human a being. A wonderful human being. And he gave us that drop. Crowd noise only. Oh, it's a classic. That is a classic. That one hasn't graced the podcast no, in quite some time. No, it's it it still lives, but uh, that is, of course, Charles Caton. Yeah, the uh, longtime radio play-by-play voice of this organization, and that happened because we originally did the podcast in in Chuck's radio studio. Yes. That's where it started. That was the humble beginnings of Kane's cast. Which is down on the arena level in the loading dock. And his engineer, John Brockwell, goes, oh, yeah, I've got drops that you guys can use to help spice up the podcast. And he goes, you know, use this one. And he played the, He played it for us. Crowd noise only. Oh, a twofer. <laughs> and uh, that was, wow, first 50 podcasts? Yeah, it was. it made it into a lot. And it hasn't been used since, but it's good to bring it out of retirement. There we go. Yes. Agreed wholeheartedly. So those are wholeheartedly. Yeah. So those wholeheartedly. Okay. A (laughs) rump. Didn't get a a rump out of that guy. That guy didn't give me a rump. Got more questions if you want to get to it. Those are the drops. Maybe we'll uh, get some more drops on here, but those are the ones we, uh, those are the ones we use every week. We're working on them. Maybe I get the Jim Malia one in here. There's also a number of ones programmed like pre-programmed into this. Uh, oh, why don't we never we use, use them? Yeah, so we don't. you can't play anything we haven't used. Uh, Micah Patchen has put this question out there. And by the way, thank you very much for uh, asking that. And hopefully Mike B is satisfied with the answers. Uh, this is from Micah thoughts on why there have been 
many scenarios for a huge hit on our player or somewhat dirty hit, and it seems we don't have anyone who wants to answer the bell, even in games where an instigator penalty wouldn't matter. Example, huge hit on Nate Shaw's yesterday. That huge hit on Nate Shaw's yesterday in the third period, if that's what I think he's talking about, Marty Natchez was going in for the puck. Puck was in deep, kind of goes off of his skates, and you know he just got lit up. It was a well-timed hit. I don't think there was anything dirty about yeah. it. But to put it in these terms, putting on the foil in old-time hockey, that just doesn't happen anymore yeah. in the NHL. And there are guys who respond. In the Caps game, Sebastian Ajo was going after players. Joel Edmondson goes after players. Jordan Martinuk goes after players. Brock McGinn goes after players. I, I think it's just because you don't see players dropping gloves and we have a fight at center ice the way that you used to, yeah. that people think that this is the way that the league's going or this team's you know kind of softer than what other teams in the league are. The Canes are not a big bruising team, so they don't lay out a ton of hits during the course of the game that cause the crowd to ooh and ah, but they hit a lot. They do hit a lot. They forecheck yeah. a lot with well, purpose. And and all big hits aren't necessarily dirty too. You can have a big hit and have it be clean. Yeah, and that's the other and thing. that doesn't and that doesn't need a response. I, I don't think. I mean, it doesn't need a response in terms of a, a fight and an instigator penalty. Sure, if you want to, uh, you know, line a guy up and and deliver a, another big hit that's also clean, that's great. But if it's a it's a big hit that's clean, it, there doesn't need to be a fight. That's my hot take for the I, morning. I, that's mine as well. A big hit is just a big hit. It's hockey. Now, dirty hits. Yeah, then we I'll, can have I'll, a conversation. Yeah, but. I'll, I'll sign on that, you know, if somebody's taking a liberty, you need to, to answer. Somebody at least has to answer for that. But the other part of it, too, points are so precious in this league that even if you've got a two-goal lead, you don't want to take a an instigator penalty. Yeah. And and. Get somebody off of the ice for five or seven minutes and give them the opportunity to do that. Here's one from Ben Cunliffe, and he provided his last name pronunciation oh. just uh, so we don't, you know, cucumbers him. Okay. Cunliffe, Ben Cunliffe. Uh, Canes are revitalizing the triangle with ending their drought and the surge. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, like it or uh, like it, take it. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's, it's, if you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Florida and Arizona will make the playoffs and begin revitalizing their fan base. They made the playoff. They won the division a couple of years ago and didn't revitalize their fan base. Florida? Yeah. Yeah. And then they fired uh, their coach here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, look, winning helps everything. Yeah, winning cures everything, but you got to do it consistently. Yeah. Uh, it's, they will. I think they will with what they've done, but. Sure. It's good to see him doing well, too. Yeah, and they've got a good coach in Joel Quenville. They've got a lot of talent. Same sure. with Arizona. It's I, better to see them do well because they're in the Western Conference. I'm, I'm not knocking this. I'm just going to knock Miami as a whole. It's just a weird sports town. It's like Atlanta. Like, you got to win, and, and people will come out if you win. Because when the Heat won, mm -hmm. they fired their entire their ticket staff because yeah. they sold out every game. But now, nobody's going to watch Miami Heat games. You can get a ticket. I don't. Who even... Does who plays for Miami Jimmy Butler? Okay, That's about all I know. Uh, but then you got the Marlins. Nobody shows up for them. Of course, the ownership was a huge part of that. You got the Dolphins. You know, I guess people show up for them when they, but they haven't won. So they beat the Patriots. It, it's 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 kind of a front running city when it comes to sport, and it's it's a city where there's a lot of stuff to do. So you have to be great, not just good. Atlanta's weird like that too. Atlanta is a weird market. 
Like the Braves were so good forever that it got to the point where they were so good their fans just kind of became apathetic to it because they were good, but they weren't winning the World Series good. Yeah. Like, okay. Marcus. I hope uh, that answers the question. Yeah, I think so. Marcus asked, do you think Martin Natchez is in the conversation for the Calder Trophy? Yeah, absolutely. Is in the conversation. I don't know if he goes to Vegas on it, but he's in the conversation. Yeah, he's conversating about it. Patrick Wiseman. He's talking about the Canes finished 500 or better against the Metro this year. Uh, they got some work to do, uh, but the, they're going to, I think they're going to need to uh, improve their record at least to 500 against the division. I got four again, four with Pittsburgh, three with the Islanders, three with New Jersey, three with Jersey, a couple yeah. with Philly, three with maybe. Philly. Yeah. I mean, the, the math would tell you that it should. But, uh, yeah, I'll say they'll get to 500. Yeah. NHL 500, meaning, you know, equal amount of wins, losses, and then overtime losses, which is the half of the points that you can get. One more here. Okay. Uh, Mark says, hey, guys, after inc- an incredible road trip, the Canes have dropped five of their, <coughs> five of their last seven games. We're, we've reached the point in the podcast where I can no longer read. Yep. What are your thoughts on putting Gardner with Edmondson and moving Flurry up with Pesci? Never miss an episode. Keep up the great work and go Canes. Thank you, Mark, for listening and consuming every podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, we asked Rod Brindamore uh, on Sunday before the game um, about defensive pairs, and he said they talk about it each and every game. Uh, you know, what the pairs should be, how they should shuffle them up. Obviously, Slavin and Hamilton have been uh, – the best pair for the Hurricanes, the most consistent pair for the Hurricanes. Um, uh, currently, you're seeing Brett Pesci uh, with Jake Gardner uh, and and Joel Edmondson with with Hayden Fleury or Trevor Van Riemsdyk, depending on who's been in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know defensive pairs are and Lions too are a conversation that this coaching staff has uh, each and every game. So, will there be more changes coming up? Maybe, uh, maybe not though. Yep. Well. We'll see. Uh, I think that everybody has kind of found their role right now, and you're kind of rolling with it. But you know, if this keeps going, you'll see the Carolina Hurricanes adjust the lineup the way that they need to, make the changes that they need to make in order to get things back on track. And and it's funny because uh, what was the the line the Canes have? You know, after the West Coast swing, they're now what two and five in their last seven. Well, yeah. if they win their next three, which is not a given with Philly, Arizona, and the Kings, with Whalers night coming up on the Kings game, uh, if they win their next three, they're now, what, five and five in their last ten. Yeah, and then, which they are currently five and five in their and last then they ten, would too. be Then they would be, uh, by my math, they would be five and two in their last seven. So, you know, again, no math. Just throw that out there. It's, it's a long season, and you're going to have, uh, unless you're – an elite team, you're going to have these ebbs and flows to the season. It's and even the elite teams have maybe not as prolonged ebbs and flows well, or as just many it. ebbs and flows, but they're bound to happen in the course of 82 games. The elite teams do not have a lot of them. They'll have four or five stretches where they'll win four, lose three, things like that, but then they go on the win six, lose one, win four, lose one, win three, lose right. one. Like that's Which is what the Hurricanes basically did in the, the second start, half yeah. of last season. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I think that uh, does it for this edition of the Canes cast. I think so. I think it uh, covered everything. 
I think we covered anything and everything. A little of this, a little of that. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Wow. That should be a song. (laughs) Yeah, it should be. We'll work on that. Yep. We'll workshop it. Yep. All right. So if you know a guy, we'll come we'll come back at you next week. (laughs) Thanks, Michael Smith. Yeah, the hurricanes are in Washington on Monday, but we will be delivering a new Canes cast episode uh, on Monday. It okay. should be. If not, we'll do one on Tuesday. If not, we'll do it Tuesday, but we should have one for, for Monday. All right. That works for us. For the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week. Moy moy. Thank you.